0: Hello and welcome to the Energy Strong Podcast presented by SPL. I'm Patrick Schauer. I'm joined once again by the president and founder of Bright Sky Environmental, Kat Galloway. How's it going, Kat?
1: It's going great. We've got so many great things to talk about. I'm excited to be here.
0: Awesome. And also by the director of ESG for SPL, Andrew Parker. How's it going, Andrew?
2: Good, Patrick. And I think I need to point out, Kat also has a new title now.
1: Yes, I have started a new company called Artemis Energy, and we are doing Bitcoin mining, uh, harnessing wasted flare gas um, out there in the oil field. So thanks for the plug, Andrew.
0: Awesome. That's exciting. We'll uh, we'll have to talk to you a little bit more about that in our soon-to-be-scheduled Bitcoin mining episode. Um But we have an interesting conversation today. We are going to be talking with Heidi Ganahl. She is a candidate, a Republican candidate for governor of Colorado. And we're going to talk to her a little bit about her positions on energy policy and and what she would do were she the one uh, running the show here in Colorado. I do want to make sure we point out, uh, having Heidi on the podcast here, Energy Strong is not making an endorsement, and we openly welcome any candidate to come on the show and discuss their ideas. Uh, In particular, we would love to have current Governor Jared Polis come on and and discuss his ideas on energy policy and what he can do to help make sure that Coloradans have affordable energy as well. But before we get to that interview, I want to have a conversation about some of the advertisements that Energy Strong has been putting out on LinkedIn and and other social media platforms recently, and uh, this is a collaboration that... We've been doing with digital wildcatters, and, and some of these ads. I, I really I just want to get kind of your guys' opinions on these. And, and do you think this is this is a good approach to messaging? And and how do you how do they make you feel? So, um, in particular, there's a couple. There may be 15 seconds long, 30 seconds long, where we we say like, next time you have your hot meal, remember the people who made it possible you know netflix and chill streaming powered by oil and i
1: love i love these ads i think they're just great little 10 15 second clips uh like there's there's one with a with a couple kind of snuggling on the couch right they're they're drinking a glass of wine they're getting warm and cozy and then they they turn on the tv and it just says netflix and chill streaming power brought to you by Colorado oil and gas. So it's, it's true as you talk about how energy powers so many things in our lives. I will say what I would like is instead of them just, just talking about Colorado oil and gas, I think we need to talk more about U.S. oil and gas. So I've, I've made that comment. I love it, but I, I, I would like it to go broader than just Colorado personally.
2: They're really well produced, like really good quality Commercials, And, you know, for me, it was always frustrating back during the pan- height of the pandemic, right? When we were all locked down to various degrees. And, you know, you'd hear, thank a medical worker, right? Thank your nurse. Thank the grocery store workers. Thank the truck drivers. Thank the trashmen. Thank all these people. And I never once heard a thank you to the oil and gas workers who were doing the exact same thing day in and day out, working 24 hours, night, day, regardless of weather. And then they've got to deal with the pandemic. And never once did I hear a mention of thank you to the oil and gas workers for keeping the lights on. And so I love these commercials for that recognition.
0: Yeah, they they do a really good job of that. And and the thing that I like about them the most is that they're a positive message. They're non-confrontational. They're focused on one thing. And it serves this specific purpose of kind of opening the door, making somebody pause and think for a little bit without trying to cram a whole agenda or a whole message. You know, we're not trying to change somebody's mind in a 15-second ad. We're just saying, hey, think about this. And and then, you know, we can have more of that conversation later. But just, you know, think a little bit the next time you turn on Netflix or the next time you turn on your gas stove or the next time you charge up your electric car, right? Just, oh, hey, remember that. Power comes from somewhere.
1: There's another great one which has a, uh, a train kind of rolling through the Colorado landscape um, and, and there's an airplane and it talks about you know getting from A to B right Colorado oil and gas so I, I think it's great. I'm looking forward to hearing what Heidi has to say about energy policies and and what's going on particularly in Colorado so um, hopefully she's taking a look at some of these ads as well. <laughs>
3: We will be right back to the Energy Strong Podcast, but today's episode is brought to us by Bulwark FR. For over 50 years, Bulwark has served as the relentless protector of those who power the world. In that time, they have pioneered every breakthrough in flame-resistant apparel and tirelessly championed the workers of oil, gas, and electric utilities. Bulwark doesn't just make FR, they are FR. And now with their newfound freedom, they get to do it in a bigger, better, and bolder way. Learn more at www.bulwark.com. That's www.bulwark.com. And now back to the show.
0: Well, our guest today is Heidi Gannal. She is running as a Republican candidate for governor against Jared Polis. She is currently the only elected Republican to statewide office in Colorado, so she has a little bit of an uphill climb here in the state. She currently serves on the Board of Regents for CU, the University of Colorado. And we're going to be talking to her a little bit today about energy policy and what she has as her thoughts as to what we can do here in Colorado and as a nation to help improve cost of living and energy prices for people. So Heidi, welcome to the podcast.
4: Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Heidi, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of introduce yourself to our listeners and kind of what's your story? What are you running on?
4: Well, first and foremost, I am a Colorado girl, grew up in Monument down the road, and I'm a mom of four. I have twins that are nine, a 12-year-old and a 26-year-old who just moved back from Oregon where she went to school. She's a duck. And I'm, a, I'm married to one of the top barbecue cooks in the country, Jason, who has GQ Barbecue, an entrepreneur also. And I'm best known as the founder of Camp Bow Wow, the country's largest pet care franchise. So I, I love dogs. They um, they gave me the opportunity to build a business around my passion. I sold it a few years ago, but I've been very blessed to live the American dream and I want to protect that for future generations. That's why I'm running.
2: So Heidi, we were just talking here in the intro a little bit and you, you made kind of mention of when you ran for CU uh, Regent in 2016. <clears throat> one of the key uh, topics that was divestiture from fossil fuels that you were up against. And so maybe just at a high level, as we kind of we can kind of bake down into the, the local Colorado political climate, but just from a high level, what are your thoughts on that topic and, and um, maybe just a l- touch on kind of US energy policy in general?
4: Well, I think that it gave me a very um, uh, in-depth introduction into the energy industry and why it's so important to Colorado and to our way of life here, and I think that um, it's given me a great chance to, whether it was in the race in 2016, going all around the state to campaign, or now, and as a region over the last five years, understand how important it is to our livelihood, to keeping costs low for the poorest in our state, and really making a difference for the lives of people of Colorado and and creating jobs too so as far as the u.s energy policy there's a lot of speculation that we are headed for a lot more federal regulation from joe biden and the current administration and you know at the end of the day we all want a clean environment and those in the energy industry i know they do too Um, and one thing i think that's not talked about enough is how much the energy industry does for our environment and keeping it clean and strong and safe But I don't think that regulations, more regulations, are the answer to that. I think companies are most successful when they're allowed to use technology to reach those goals of being safe and creating a clean environment rather than banning good ideas. I think the U.S. is in the best position when we aren't importing importing oil and gas from other countries, especially our enemies. We produce the cleanest molecules in the world. I've learned a lot about the Colorado molecule and how effective it is. So why would we want to support Russia and the Middle East when we have a thriving oil and gas industry right here in Colorado?
2: Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, I think environmentally speaking, we all get a bad rap, I think, for being an oil and gas, right? Because we produce this product that's dirty and it's making the climate change and it's destroying species. But the reality is... I think all three of us on this call and the overwhelming majority of those that work in the industry would consider themselves environmentalists in some way, shape, or form, right? And long before the topic of climate change was prevalent in the industry, inv- companies have been focused on the environment for a long time, right? And so I'm I'm curious from your experience in Boulder, which is a very democratic uh, strong bed to be nice, right? But also one of the epicenters of the outdoors, right? Where do you think the mindset or, or where do you think the the resistance to fossil fuels comes from? Uh, especially when you think about people who, who like the environment so much. Um, where do you think that resistance comes from?
4: I think it's very political, very political. And I, I think there's a misunderstanding about how, fracking works, about how natural gas works, and how important it is to keeping our environment clean and providing low-cost energy for the poorest in our society. So, you know, I think that um, it's just, it's become a political game, which is really unfortunate because never in the history of our country or our state have we produced cleaner energy. And has it been more effective in providing low-cost energy for folks all around our state? And great jobs too.
1: Heidi, the, uh, the API put out a report this last summer um, and they showed they, they did some analysis and showed that um, the state of Colorado supports about 350,000 jobs um, related to the oil and gas industry and for every oil and gas job in Colorado there's about an additional four support jobs. Um, So that's a lot of people in the state who are are working in oil and gas. What are some of the topics that you think the people in this industry are interested in?
4: Well, I think number one is, you know, how do we keep people's livelihoods strong in the energy industry while still staying focused on a clean environment and providing low-cost, clean energy? Um, We all want what's best for our state. We all want clean air. We all want clean water. We all want clean land. And if we can work together to innovate and provide incentives to do better together, I think that's the most effective way to move forward. I think we all have to agree that um, we just have different ideas about how to solve some of these problems. And the best innovation, the best solutions come from bringing both sides together and coming to compromise.
0: So there's been a lot of talk within the energy industry about the energy transition and you know, it's something that's going on. It's something that we recognize as something that we have to be a part of if we want to still be relevant here with oil and gas into the future. And, and I think anybody who's listening to this podcast understands that oil and gas is not going anywhere in terms of going away. But oil and gas, the role that this industry plays is going to be changing into the future. And especially in a state like Colorado that's trying to lead on this energy transition, how do you see working the energy industry, the traditional energy industry of oil and gas in with a state's push for additional renewables and other alternative energy sources, you know, obviously, if you were to get elected, you're going to be accountable to all the constituents in Colorado and Colorado's a state has said that they do want some of this energy transition to take place. So how do you see trans fitting in oil and gas with that energy transition?
4: You know, and all of the above energy plan is the key. There's space for everyone in energy production. We shouldn't take anything off the table and make this an either or situation. Fossil fuels are a necessity right now, which we're going to find out in a big way as winter sets in and we can obtain them cleanly. We've proven that over and over again, especially right here in Colorado. So, you know, I think Colorado can be a model for the rest of the nation when we combine all our approaches into our energy solutions and And Colorado has some of the strictest methane rules in the country, so the federal government can actually learn from us and learn how to do things better, um, including um, oil and gas policies that have been uh, supported by the industry. So we don't need more government intervention and redundant policies. These layers of regulation are just another way to squeeze the life out of this industry and kill innovation.
1: So Heidi, as you mentioned, um, just a couple of weeks ago, the, the EPA announced a proposal to to regulate the oil and gas industry even further. Um, and, and as you mentioned, Colorado has been a leader in, in methane reductions and control. But as governor, um, part, part of the, the EPA's proposal requires that the states come up with a plan to comply with their new regulations in a general way um, what kind of posture do you think that Colorado should take um, at addressing the, the Biden administration's EPA's increasing regulatory burden um, on the oil and gas industry? How would you approach that as governor?
4: Well, I think uh, I've seen in my own career building a franchise company that regulation doesn't usually provide the result that the government wants. In fact, you've got to incentivize business and consumers to make good choices. And I think the energy industry is working their tails off right now to provide good choices around renewables and innovation and, and providing the cleanest possible energy at the lowest possible cost. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push for incentives to do just that, to continue to do that. And I'll push back on regulations where I think it's, it's not a good, um, a good incentive going forward. You know, this comes down to the simple economic principle of supply and demand. We have to encourage supply, and the oil and gas supply can increase while also getting cleaner. Over the last decade, the oil and gas industry's emissions have come down drastically while production has gone up, and I don't think a lot of that is just due to regulation. It's due to innovation. We've got to encourage innovation. That's the key.
2: To that point, Luke Coates is one of the founders of Energy Strong, and he likes to point out the statistic that... In the last decade, Colorado has increased its oil and gas production, I think, twofold, while emissions have remained almost the same, right? So we're increasing our production while keeping our emissions basically the same as they were a decade ago.
0: So it's actually a little bit more impressive. The number that Luke quoted is that we've had a fourfold increase in production in the past 10 years, and this is talking pre-COVID numbers, and a 50% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions over that same period. So that's essentially one-eighth of the emissions per barrel coming out of Colorado than it was 10 years ago. So, you know, we've proven here in Colorado that we can continue to produce the energy that we need in a clean way and actually reduce emissions while meeting the demand for energy for more people.
2: Thanks for the save, Patrick. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it was something like that. Um, Yeah, it's, it's an incredible statistic, right, that we've been able to do that in this state. And really, I think it kind of makes Colorado the poster child for where the oil and gas industry can go, right? But you you mentioned there needs to be room for fossil fuel or for renewable energy, cleaner, um, renewable alternatives. And so uh, I'm just curious if you could kind of go into a little more detail on what your approach and policies will be to promote the renewable uh, energy sector in the state.
4: Yeah, well, like we talked about earlier, we produce the cleanest molecules in the world right here in Colorado. So why would we support moving production over to Russia or the Middle East when we have it all right beneath our feet? We've got to incentivize production in Colorado. Um, It's good for our livelihood. It's good for our environment. It's good for workers around our state. It's good for families. It's good for the poorest in our state to pay less for their energy bills. So, you know, I think Jared Polis needs to understand that air quality does not end at our state line. If we push oil and gas production out of Colorado, it's going to have to come from places like Saudi Arabia and Russia. Why is that a good thing? I don't understand that. Um, It just doesn't make any sense. It seems very intentional that they're driving the energy industry out of our state, out of our country, and it's going to lead to bad, bad things. And so anything I can do as governor to encourage, again, innovation to um, driving cleaner energy, less expensive energy, and to boost our energy workers here and our energy business here so that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't affect the livelihood of our energy workers as well, then that's what I'm going to do as governor.
2: And another, another important uh, fact that you've said a few times, right, is cost of living, right, which is, I think, key to your platform that you're running on. The cost of living in Colorado is high, Right. And it it's uh, it's becoming a problem, I think, for a lot of families who, you know, are concerned about, you know, is the utility company going to turn my gas off or my electricity off? What am I going to do in the wintertime? Why? Why is that maybe one of the pillars that you you chose to run on? Right. You go to your website. There's three. There's kids are priority. uh, Crime is skyrocketing. Right. And then cost of living is out of control. Why is cost of living such a focus in your campaign?
4: Well, I've traveled the state over the last five years as a regent, and so I've gotten to know um, a lot about what people of Colorado care about. And over the last eight weeks or so, since I launched my campaign, it's become even more resounding. Um, the the cries for help on hey, we can't afford to live here anymore. We can't afford to fill our tank, uh, we can't afford to buy our groceries can't afford to take our kids out to the movie or for uh, you know a fun day at one of the amusement parks it's just gotten ridiculous and so the way that we can address cost of living one of the ways we can do that is by reducing regulation and taxes and fees and you look at uh, gas and what's about to become a big issue with heating our homes this winter and it's sitting right beneath our feet the solutions right under our feet we can increase energy production we can do it right here in Colorado. We can increase supply and that will bring down costs. It's a basic economics lesson, but you have to look at why this is happening. There's an intentional effort going on to destroy the energy industry here in Colorado and in America. And so, you know, I, I think it's more of a, a, a um, it's more of an intentional effort than it is, you know, a natural occurrence that's happening. You know, it, there is inflation. Inflation is a huge issue right now, but, I do think we could help by reducing regulation, freeing up our energy industry right here in Colorado and increasing supply.
2: One of the reasons I got into oil and gas, because I was big, I did not want to be part of the oil and gas industry. So I have, I studied climate in college. That was, I thought I was going to be a professor. I did not want anything to do with oil and gas. And I went to do some work for them and realized it's, it's a lot bigger than just looking for oil and gas and exploiting the resource, Right. How do, we get that, how do we get that message across to more people in Colorado to say oil and gas is not this evil industry in Colorado that creates that brown fog when you look out on the eastern plains, right? That, that there is actually an environmental benefit, right? How do we message it more effectively to people on the other side that just don't want anything to do with it?
4: So my background's in marketing and branding. That's how I built a $100 million franchise company. And what I found is you have to talk to people from your heart and from from a perspective of what's good for their families and what's good for their kids, what's good for their future as a family and for their children. And clean, low-cost energy has done more to reduce poverty in our world than almost anything else. And I think when people start to see the rising rates or the cost of energy this winter and their heating bills and they're starting to see it at the gas tank, they'll start to ask questions. They'll look for information. They'll want to know or understand what's happening. And I think it's a huge opportunity for you guys to, uh, to step in and lead and um, show them the way, show them how it works.
2: That's a great answer. I mean, it, I think we're at an inflection point this winter right? The forecast, it's La Nina winter, right? Ooh, La Nina. And that means really cold, right? The polar vortex is going to make its appearance multiple times. The poor people in North Dakota and Minnesota and the East Coast are going to freeze, right? It'll be really interesting to see with the rising cost of energy, how people pivot from resisting the industry to do they start to accept the industry. It'll be interesting, right? But here in Colorado, it has to be, I think, fundamental to both the industry's messaging and and maybe some of your own messaging that the oil and gas industry does far more good for families and the environment in the country than it does bad.
4: I agree. And I, I think it goes back to all of the above. We can do all of the above. We can go more um aggressively towards clean energy and we are i mean we're already doing that as you mentioned with those statistics um around emissions but i think we can we can encourage people um, to learn more about the fossil fuel industry and why it's good for our country and why it's good for our families but also strive to do better and strive to get cleaner and more efficient and it doesn't have to be an either-or proposition. I think that's the most important point. It doesn't have to be either-or. It's an all-of-the-above approach.
1: I'll go on record. I guarantee you when the La Nina comes and it's going to be cold as hell in Colorado, the liberal media is going to blame it on Oil and gas, and say that it's climate change. That's that's exactly what the narrative is going to be. Um, I'm I'm just going to say that now. We'll we'll touch base in a couple months and we'll see what happens. But um, what do you think that that um, the strategy is going to be to counteract that? Because you know it's going to happen.
4: Well, I think you've got to get ahead of the game right now. You've got to start telling people that that's what they're going to do and explain why they're going to do that and what the real the real data looks like and, and how maybe you walk people through you know, the costs and what goes into creating the energy. Um, You know, Americans are a pretty smart bunch, especially folks in Colorado. And I, I think they're eager for good information for good data right now to make good decisions.
1: I hope so. I think we need data, and we need emotions, and we need stories. And, and, and through this podcast, I've, I've just been seeing it you know, over the past couple of episodes of who's interested, what do they want to hear? Um, because as scientists, we like to approach it from a data perspective, right? Here, Here's here's what the data says. Um, but you've got to have, like you said, a good kitchen table story um, with some real emotion behind it, so that people will listen to that and put that data in perspective.
4: You know, I think stories are the, the path back for us as a country and a state. I think Um, dehumanizing people through social media and the news has been our downfall. I think if we can get back to um, getting people to speak up and tell their stories and really connect heart to heart, and that means the folks in the energy industry, the grandfathers, the moms, the dads, the scientists, those of you that made decisions like you did, Andrew, to um, be part of the solution, not part of the problem, and not just yell at clouds, but actually, you know, (laughs) do something about it and make a difference. You need to speak up. I say that to um, our veterans as I travel the state. I'm like, it's never been more important for you to use your voices and tell tell young people about why you went to war, why you fought for our country, why you, um, you are willing to put your life on the line for what the American dream stands for. And I think the energy industry is at that pivotal point right now.
0: Yeah, there's been a lot of conversation in the industry about having that type of messaging and sharing stories I I feel like we talk about that all the time and I feel like we we try to do that we we put out all these stories of you know I work in oil and gas and this is what my life is like and this is why I do the things that I do I know I'm more familiar with it because I used to work there but Noble Energy did a campaign recently where they went out and they featured some of their field staff and some of their uh, young engineers and some of the landowners that work with them and, and had longer form interviews with them out in the field. Why do you do what you do? Why do you support the energy industry? And I, I think that is that's powerful, but that messaging feels to me like it doesn't get past the door with a lot of people. Like they see that this is a message coming from Noble Energy, from an energy company, and they either don't even listen to it or they dismiss whatever is being said immediately. So how do we get past or do you have a thought as to how we get past that initial reluctance to even engage with the conversation? Right it's, it's it's great to say that we have this powerful message and we can communicate with people and share things that are important to them, but if they don't even let you in the door to talk, how are we going to how are you going to make that message actually resonate? Well,
4: I think Perhaps you add to the conversation, interviews or conversations with um, families who have really struggled economically, um, and have seen what clean energy can do for their lives. Whether that's here in America or, or across the globe, whether it's a good job, or whether it's um, you know having heat in their home, or having the ability to. Um, you know, be successful in their career because of the work that the energy industry has done here in our country. So I I think it's a wide array of people. I think you've got to up your game by about a hundred times right now because it's so noisy and get out of front of what in front of what's going to happen this winter and, you know, really start to just drive the conversation as much as you can to the stories of the people, the hearts and souls of energy workers, of scientists, you know, the other side likes to talk so much about how important data and science is. And the science is on your side, you guys You need to speak up about that. But again, talking to people who are in their day to day lives affected by what happens in the energy industry is really important. And again, just reminding people, we've got some of the cleanest energy production in the world right here in Colorado. If we don't produce it here, it's going to get produced by bad actors. And I'll kinds of bad things happen from that, whether it's pollution or wars, whatever. But why not produce the clean energy that's right under our feet and help people of Colorado and our industry put people back to work and provide lower cost energy this winter when bad things are going to happen? Well, it's great to
2: have a voice like yours in the prominent mainstream that you have now, right? You're running for governor. You're going to have a lot of media exposure and having someone that you're not out there and you haven't said, yeah, we're, we're rah, rah, go oil and gas, right? You've said it a number of times in this, this interview, it's, it's all in on energy, right? It's not, yes, oil and gas is a a essential piece of that equation, but renewables right in a state like Colorado that prides itself at being at the forefront of renewable green energies right um whether it's wind solar hydrogen starting to make a big um make some noise and having someone like you that champions that perspective I think will be I think really important as well because people are not used to having public officials have that center point perspective that says, I support the oil and gas industry because I understand the good it does here locally. But we also recognize there's a place for other energies. And so having having your perspective, I think, mainstream is going to be fantastic for advancing the conversation.
4: Well, I mean, it's really about common sense solutions. And I'm a mom, first and foremost, and I want my kids to have a wonderful future here in Colorado, my grandkids too. And I understand that The expectations that we can go all renewable by 2030 are ridiculous. It's going to destroy people's lives to do that. There is a balanced approach to get there. There's a common sense approach to get there. And one that can protect people's livelihoods, but also protect our environment. Because again, we all want clean air, clean water, clean land for our children and grandchildren. But there's a better path to get there. And it's just a balanced approach, common sense, all of the above, and incentivizing rather than punishing. I would just like to encourage people to send me information or reach out to me and tell me stories, tell me what's important. Your industry can actually be a great resource for our movement. Your partners with us in, in making a, a Colorado um, productive again on the energy front and protecting people's lives and livelihood. And then second, have faith in our ability to win on a statewide level. Anyone with an appreciation of history knows that this won't be a blue state forever, and the political environment is ripe for a change. Look at what just happened um, in Virginia. I've seen the fire this industry brings to political battles, so let's go to battle together and protect um, what's rightly ours right under our feet to make Colorado um, a, a big energy producer again, of the, the cleanest energy on the planet, the Colorado molecule. And most importantly... You know, give what you can to support our movement. You can go to our website, HeidiForGov.com, to learn more about our policy as we roll it out. But um, I'm I'm just excited to be a voice for common sense solutions to some of the biggest problems we're facing here in our state and our country. And again, as a mom, as a business owner, as a regent on the front lines of higher ed, I just um, I'm glad that you guys are having this conversation and, and trying to reach more people to talk about how to solve this problem.
2: What are the, the milestone dates for your campaign? So the primaries are when?
4: Primaries next June, and then the elections in less than a year. Coming up. <laughs> next November, November 8th, 22.
2: Well, we wish you all the best. We think thank you very much for coming on the podcast, talking to us about your perspectives on energy. It's refreshing to hear, and
3: uh, we wish you all the best.
4: Well, thank you. Good luck with everything. <laughs>
3: We will be right back to the Energy Strong Podcast, but I want to tell you about our sponsor, SPL. They offer end-to-end testing, measurement and reporting solutions across the entire hydrocarbon value chain through cutting-edge technology, meticulous processes, and highly qualified personnel. SPL offers insights you can trust and act on. Check them out online at spl-inc.com. That's spl-inc.com. And now... Back to the show.
0: Well, that's it for this episode of the Energy Strong Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. I want to reiterate our invitation to Governor Jared Polis. If he would ever be interested in coming on the show, we would love to talk Colorado energy policy with him. So if Governor Polis is listening or if anyone who knows him is listening, feel free to extend that invitation to him. At the beginning of the show here, we talked about some of the LinkedIn ads that are being posted by Energy Strong. We'll provide a link to any of those here in the show description, as well as a link to find some more information on Heidi and her campaign. I also want to remind anybody who's listening to please leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really helps us out to get some feedback from you and know how we're doing, as well as move our rankings up on any of those podcast hosting sites. We are also posting episodes to YouTube now, so if you think that's an easier way to listen or to share with your friends, go ahead and check out Energy Strong on YouTube, and we have all of the episodes uploaded there as well. If you would like to sponsor the show, please reach out to us at energystrong.com. We are always open to new sponsorships. Thank you once again to our great sponsors so far, Bulwark FR, as well as SPL for providing all of our funding for the show. And remember that all of our sponsorships are going to support our nonprofit partners, who this quarter is still the Porter-Billups Leadership Academy. If you are interested in sponsoring, once again, reach out. And if you have a nonprofit that you think would be great for us to support, please reach out to us as well. We're always looking for new good causes to support. And of course, thank you one more time to my wonderful co-hosts, Andrew Parker and Kat Galloway. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you again next time.